This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. King Charles III will be crowned on Saturday alongside his wife Camilla, the Queen Consort. The coronation, as it's called, is a centuries-old ceremony packed with symbols and meaning that the world hasn't seen for 70 years. So let's get ahead of it. In this Squish Shortcut, we'll take you through the ceremony's rituals. We'll have a look at what we can expect this time around and give you some of the lesser-known talking points so you can glisten like a crown jewel at your coronation party. Squid Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire Charles is already the king. That happened quickly after his mother's death. She, of course, was Queen Elizabeth II. She died in September last year at the age of 96. Yeah, just in case you've forgotten about that. That, that was, was a pretty thing. big mm. event. Uh, and it's one of those things about hereditary monarchy. The throne passes immediately and without ceremony to the heir. Uh, and that happened when the Queen died. Uh, but there was a bit of a ceremony. You might remember that time when Charles got cranky about a leaky pen. Yeah, the leaky pen thing, yeah. 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 yeah, so that was at the official proclamation that was at St James's Palace in London uh, and that took place in front of the Accession Council. Yeah, and we could go down a path about the Accession Council, which mm. quite frankly won't get us very far. It won't. <laughs> so let's not do that. It's enough to say that the official proclamation of Charles becoming the sovereign was signed by several senior figures, including the Prime Minister and the Archbishop of Canterbury. None of that, it's important to note, is like a swearing-in ceremony, which is what you might get with a new head of state, like a Prime Minister, for example. Uh, what happens is the new monarch makes a declaration to uphold the constitutional government of the United Kingdom at that accession ceremony. Uh, it's like locking them in to doing things the way that they've always been done, for centuries anyway, by keeping the crown and the state separate. Okay, so that's happened. And after that, the proclamation is read out in London, Edinburgh, Cardiff and Belfast to cover off the United Kingdom. Yeah, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, the parts that make up the UK. That is all he really had to do until now, this weekend, Mm. the official coronation. It kind of begs the question, why do we need one? (laughs) Do we need a coronation? Yeah. What is the point is a very good question. There's three main reasons. It's symbolic. It's a big show. Uh, It's religious, but it's also about the state. So it ties together in one neat ceremony what it is to be the sovereign. And quite frankly, it's just really great PR. We know PR is important when it comes to the royals. Of course, there's razzle, dazzle. It's also got a lot of history behind it. Yeah. So the earliest form of the ceremony has been traced back by historians to King Edgar's coronation in 973 AD. That was at Bath Abbey. Uh, He was the first king of what was known as All England. Uh, But when it comes to something like what we'll see this weekend, for the past 900 years, the coronation has been held at Westminster Abbey in London. William the Conqueror 
was the first monarch to be crowned there and Charles will be the 40th. And I guess this one's notable, Claire, because it's been such a long time since Mm. the last coronation, as I said at the start, 70 years. That's because Queen Elizabeth was the longest reigning monarch in British history. Yeah, so she was crowned in June 1953. So it'll be a smidge just under 70 years since there's been a coronation of a British monarch. Um, You'll, of course, remember that last year was the Queen's platy jubes, so her platinum (laughs) jubilee that celebrated 70 years on the throne. The thing to note is that there was quite a time between her succeeding to the throne uh, to when her coronation was held. So the death of the Queen's father, King George VI, was in February 1952. So there's a 16-month gap that was between that and that's because there was a period of mourning that was appropriate in those days. Okay, so we are talking about the current coronation, but it's good to talk about Queen Elizabeth a little bit. King George's death was a bit of a shock. He was 56 years old and anyone who's watched The Crown will tell you that Elizabeth didn't expect to become queen at such a young age, of course. She was just 25 years old. 70 years later, her son Charles will be crowned king at 74 years old. Before we get into what we can expect on Saturday, let's get into the ins and outs of the ceremony itself. Claire, we've talked about the coronation bringing together the new sovereign's roles across the crown, the church and the state. But like any good operation, someone needs to be in charge and for a coronation... The state wins. (laughs) (laughs) It does. That's right. The coronation is a state occasion. And yes, it takes place in Westminster Abbey, but the government is in control of the event through the Earl Marshal. He has authority over all matters regarding the ceremony and the Abbey's keys are actually surrendered to him while the church is made ready. Does the Earl Marshal have to be a bloke? Or he just happens to be a bloke? It's the most senior duke, which is usually a bloke. Okay. Just... Wanted to know, just yeah. interested. One of those things. The Earl Marshal is one of what they call the great officers of state. Currently, that's, as we were just saying, Edward Fitzalan Howard. He is the 18th Duke of Norfolk. He's been busy. <laughs> he really has. So he was responsible for the Queen's funeral as well and now King Charles' coronation. Wow. Uh, and look, we could go down a whole other rabbit hole about the Earl Marshal, but I reckon let's just plough on ahead. I tried. I tried to find more about the Earl Marshal, but getting off track. The church does have a big role in the coronation. So the state's in charge of organising it, but the church has a big role to play. It is an Anglican religious service overseen by the Archbishop of Canterbury. He also has the job of crowning the sovereign and the queen consort. Yeah. So he's got a starring role. Um, Becoming sovereign is also taking an oath to swear, amongst other things, um, to maintain and preserve the establishment of the Church of England as defender of the faith and the church's supreme leader. Uh, But there are many stages to this service that blend the role of the sovereign's responsibilities to the state and their people as well. So there's five main stages to the ceremony. The monarch enters Westminster Abbey wearing the big crimson robe of state and they start with what's called the recognition. So I read about this and I just could not get my head around what that meant. So I watched the clip from Queen Elizabeth's coronation. Basically, the monarch stands beside the 700-year-old coronation chair facing east and then the Archbishop of Canterbury will say, Sirs, I present... I need the accent, please. (laughs) I can't do the accent. (laughs) I'll say it in my best Aussie twang. Sirs, I I here present to you, King Charles, your undoubted king. Wherefore, all you who are come this day to do your homage and service... 
are you willing to do the same? <sighs> I'm on the edge of my seat, Claire. <laughs> is this all broadcast live? <laughs> this is all broadcast live. Oh. The crowd will say, God save the king. The trumpets will sound. And then they face south and they do the same thing more trumpets and then they face west and there's more trumpets (laughs) and then they face north. And then more trumpets. There's more trumpets. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not do this blow by blow. Can we fast forward a little bit? Yeah, I reckon we can. Look, all I'm trying to illustrate is that it's like nothing we've seen before, so it's going to feel a bit obscure. Mm. Um, But each part is packed with this meaning, like that recognition, which is about the monarch facing their people north, south, east and west and making a commitment to them, uh, and the sovereign will do that to their people too. Yeah, there's actually an oath that the monarch takes as well. It's a bit like a wedding vow. They make a promise to govern their people according to their respective laws and customs. Yeah, and that's where Australia will get a mention by name. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the second part of this five-step five ceremony. Oh, no. Remember the uh, fast forward? <laughs> the third part is the anointing. Um, the monarch's ceremonial robe will be removed. Uh, they sit in the coronation chair. The archbishop will anoint the king's hands, breast and head with a holy oil. We don't get to see that. They hold up a gold cloth so no one can see. But... Will he be naked underneath? Well, then take your shirt, got to get on your breast. Oh, okay. So it's right onto the skin. Right onto the skin. Okay. Radio. Well, you wouldn't want to get that wrong. <laughs> the thought of seeing the king's breast for me is a bit much, but I'm hanging out for the bling, Claire, that it's there. Is there a crown? Yeah. Well, next is the investiture. Um, so the sovereign is presented with the royal orb. That's that round thing. Okay. Um, that represents religious and moral authority. There's a scepter, which is representing power. There's a sovereign's scepter, which is a rod of gold that's topped with a white enamel dove, which is a symbol of justice and mercy. And to top it all off, the Archbishop places St Edward's crown on the king's head. This is the bit I've been waiting for. Yep. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, we'll check out how good Charles's neck muscles are mm. with this. Uh, it's made of solid gold. It was made for Charles II in 1661. It's only ever used at the moment of coronation because it weighs 2.2 kilograms. That's a significant weight on your head. It is. Um, trumpets, oil, the monarch's got the crown. We haven't talked about what the Queen Consort does during all of this, but she'll be around. She does a whole thing because she is crowned as well. Okay, gotcha. There's a lot to get through and we'll learn next about how long all that will take so you can time your TV viewing accordingly. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. Right, Claire, it's eight o'clock on Saturday night. Yep. I have got my slice of coronation quiche in front of the telly. Nice. Maybe not me. I'm not sure if I'm going to tune into this, but 
for those who oh, are. Come along with it. <laughs> How long is it all going to take? Yeah, so Queen Elizabeth's service took three hours. Um, the officials are saying that Charles' service will take a bit more than an hour. Okay. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they move through all of that. As you now know, there's a lot of stages. And as we said, it's Camilla's coronation as well. So there's things that she has to do. Imagine for Queen Elizabeth three a three-hour coronation. Mm. It was also such a big deal, such a big event because it was the first time that TV cameras and people got to see this sort of thing happen on their screens. Yeah, and really a live TV event because mm. that sort of thing was huge. 27 million people in the UK out of 36 million in the population at that time watched the ceremony on TV. Wow. This time around, the technology is a little bit more advanced. Um, it'll be watched by millions all over the world. 70 years later, you'd hope it's a bit more advanced. And (laughs) yeah, millions and millions of people will be watching this. Charles is bringing some personal touches to the ceremony, Claire. Let's start with the anointing oil you mentioned before. It's coming from Jerusalem. Yep. It has been created using olives harvested from two groves. Uh, That includes the monastery of Mary Magdalene, which is the burial place of Charles's grandmother, Prince Alice of Greece. Uh, It's perfumed. It's got Rose, jasmine, cinnamon, all sorts of other stuff. Uh, It's also been specially made for Charles. It won't contain any ingredients derived from animals, which was his request. Very Charles of him. Longtime squeezers know you're not a musical theatre buff, Claire, but the millions that are will be in for a treat. There will be new music from Andrew Lloyd Webber incorporated into the big event. There will. I might hit the mute button at that point. We'll oh, see how we go. That's the fun <laughs> And also taking a cue from Megan and Harry, there's going to be a gospel choir. Um, there's been also a big campaign to recruit thousands of bell ringers to mark the coronation around the country. It's been the ring for the king scheme. <laughs> wow, this is huge, isn't it? It's so fun. Um, I'd mentioned quiche earlier in the shortcut. We can't end without explaining what I meant by a coronation quiche. Yeah, and look, it's had a bit of a mixed reception. The official recipe, the official dish for this coronation, um, says that it's a deep quiche with a crisp pastry case, delicate flavours of spinach, broad beans and fresh tarragon, eat Mm. hot or cold with a green salad and boiled new potatoes. Perfect for a coronation big lunch. So is this what they're recommending people eat? While they watch the coronation. Exactly right. Charles isn't going to be taking a bite as he moves through the church. He's picked it. I'm sure it'll be served at some point throughout (laughs) the event. I don't mind a quiche, Claire. I know you don't love them. Let's move on. How much is this all costing? There's no official figures yet, but they're talking about £100 million. So that's about $190 Aussie dollars. There you go. One event in 70 years, I guess. I mean, can you justify that? We'll find out. (laughs) Prime Minister Anthony Albanese will travel with our Governor-General David Hurley to the event, so expect to see him there. The state governors will also be there. A hand-picked contingent of Australians will also attend the coronation. That's your shortcut to King Charles's coronation. Onto our recommendations. Each episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we recommend some further reading, listening, or watching. Mine's like a, a looking, I guess. Yeah. It's a gallery of Queen Elizabeth at her coronation. She was so beautiful. Yeah. And just so a, young. Just so young. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And in those pictures is a very young Prince Charles. So he went to his mother's coronation. So, oh, yeah, incredible. Um, it's hard to go past that recipe for me. So we've got the recipes to the coronation quiche, the official dish, uh, also to Queen Elizabeth's coronation chicken, 
if you want to go retro. Oh, is that what she recommended? That's what she recommended. Oh, I like that. Both those links are in your episode notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista, tell your hairdresser, whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.